Hi, uh, welcome to uh, my latest podcast. It's just an update on uh, a post podcast we did last week, uh, which was called, you know, Sell the Rip or Buy the Dip. Um, as that as that note pointed out, you know, you've been greatly rewarded for buying the dip over the last few years uh, in particular. Um, and so what we've seen over the last week is that the S&P has bounced, uh, it's regained, you know, uh, most of the losses for the year and we've seen the VIX drop back down to around 20 um, and for me back in the the olden days uh, before interest rates were very very low uh, it used to be for me is like uh, you didn't really want to short when the VIX was above 30 uh, and you wanted to short when the VIX got below 20 just as a general rule um, you know, if you, and if you were short, VIX over 30 was always a good sign, time to start thinking about covering shorts if you wanted to. Uh, we now live in a, in a very different world. Uh, as I've tried to point out in various notes, uh, it's really the credit market that drives it. And the credit market is, of course, heavily supported by central banks. Um, and the issue they now face is that they do finally have the inflation that they thought was so necessary uh, for so long. And so when we look at uh, this rip in the market, it is not coincide with much of a bounce in HYG, and that's the sort of high-yield bond ETF. Um, so that, for me, is a first sign of caution and would still fit squarely in the sell-the-rip uh, type of advice um, that I would give to, to that I would think about this market here. The other thing I look at is long dead, the long dead uh, VIX. I actually normally use UX8, uh, which is also on Bloomberg. Uh, but UX6 has a longer price history, has a bit more consistent. Uh, so we're just using that to six here just to be consistent with the note I put out last week. What you can see here is we never got to very heavily old oversold levels, uh, like we did in 2000, uh, end of 2018 or in uh, March of last year, or even, uh, again, late 2020. Um, in fact, where we are now with a sort of the uh, VIX trading uh, uh, you know, at five uh, five points below UX6 was a, would be where a, a mark, a, a level of, of heavy complacency in markets. Now, that is where I stop with, like, the free subscription stuff, Uh for, you know, what I'm going to add here, which I haven't added before, is just a bit of an explanation of why VIX could become uh, disassociated to what equity markets are doing. And for those of you who've read a lot of my stuff over, over, over the years, you'll know that I'm very interested in the order callable market. Order callables uh, or structured products, as they're sometimes called, are basically products that sell volatility to generate a yield. And of course, they've become very popular with interest rates so low over the last, last few years. Um, but they also, what they do is they, they, they are naturally always selling VIX uh, and they put natural downward pressure on it. The problem with them is that once they break a certain level or break a barrier, uh, they then have to buy VIX. And so these products really take VIX as, as a, a clear observation of what market is thinking and they really turn VIX into another variable within markets. Um, and that, that variable, VIX itself, can then become, uh, you know, move away from what markets are doing in general. Um, and so what I show here is uh, Korean issuance, because I've got a very good data source for Korean issuance of all the calls. 
Korean issuance, you really want to be sort of selling VIX or buying equities or buying bonds, whatever you want to call it, when the Korean issuance of oil callables has collapsed. So you saw that in 2015, early 16, and that was driven by the collapse of the HSCI, which at the time was Korea's favorite market. Uh, they tend to buy markets where the VIX is as high as possible because it tends to generate higher yields. Uh, and then we really only have, and then they slowly rebuilt it, rebuilt it. Uh, and then we had another collapse in COVID, uh, where, you know, the Korean issuance of all the calls collapsed. Um, but actually that has rebuilt much quicker than it did in 15, 16. And when we look at the data, the two main markets that they're issuing all the callables on now are the S&P and the Euro stocks. So these would be the two markets I'd be looking at, uh, for problems to emerge if they do. Um, and so finally, we then just look at how does the VIX compare to uh, the KDB high yield daily, uh, which is you know just a sort of daily index of, of high yield. And what we can see is the VIX uh, and the, and the uh, KDB high yield have actually broken away a bit. VIX is down quite a lot, while the KDB high yield is is higher. That's just another version of the HYG chart we put up uh, above, but this one we you know, can do on a daily basis, and we can see again that VIX looks the wrong price. And so from my perspective, I think what has happened over the last week is, you know, VIX has been pushed lower through this weight of all the callables. Uh, it's not being confirmed by the credit markets. It's not being confirmed by long day vol. And so we've had this rip higher as vol targeting funds have been forced to buy uh, equities again. So as vol falls, they have to come in and, and buy equities. It's almost... It's a sort of program that has been built for vol targeting strategies. Uh, and so I suggest what I would suggest is these sort of uh, program funds or non-thinking funds have gotten very long again because they have to, uh, even though the underlying data start is really deteriorating. And so the conclusion, of course, then is it's time to sell the rip. And that looks correct to me. Uh, I would change my view if we start to see commodity prices come in. Uh, if oil fell a lot or food prices fell a lot, which would imply inflation was going to come down. But we have not seen that. So again, to me, it looks like sell a rip. All right. Thanks for your time. Bye.